podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi and welcome to another episode of the Nina Kauser Show. Um, 2-1 against Leicester, quite uncomfortable viewing in my opinion, but three points and that's all that matters, right? And joining me on this episode, I have two amazing guests, a definite caller. So you know what? Let them talk. I want to share. I want to hear their views. Let them share their views with you. I'm loving the Nina Kauser Show this season. I've had so much diversity so many new voices and today is no different two new voices on the nina kauser show uh gags tandon has certainly been busy in the transfer window with podcasters and without further ado let's introduce them first up i have gavin jones gav welcome to the show nina in all the things that i've achieved in my career i feel like i finally made it we all aspire to get to this level where this you is, get to this yeah is it. it's all downhill yeah. from here man it is it is that is it and joining gav <laughs> that northern fucking sarcasm and sense of humor i see right and joining gav i am delighted to be joined by jay sutherland you may have heard him with guy drinkle last week he was so good i bought him back welcome to the <laughs> show jay Hi guys, really looking forward to this, although it wasn't a very comfortable experience today, I must say. It really wasn't, it really wasn't, and um, I think we're going to discuss that, but be- but before we go any further, we do have a caller on, we need to speak to the caller, and it is a familiar voice, it's also a familiar face for me, it's somebody that I've met, he's absolutely fucking awesome, so much so that people were actually calling for him to join Twitter, and he did not fail, it is Kwesi Davis, um, long-time listener, caller, and AI Pro subscriber, welcome to the show, Kwesi. Thank you, and I, I have no idea what everybody was worried about. That was comfortable. <laughs> it was just comfortably ugly as well. <laughs> and why was that comforting, Questy? Go on. Um, because Genie had been moved back into the centre, and if you look at it, besides Gomez allowing one through his legs uh, for a shot, and uh, our goalkeeper's antics, they really did not produce anything concrete. They didn't. It is true our passing was quite bad. And actually, if we're doing the questions, what I'd love to know from the panel, is the first time I've noticed that we've really, really been pressed. And mm. pressed in a nice, regimented manner for the first time. You know, most teams play a little lip service. You go there, you pressure whoever. And then there's no backup to the press. Well, this time it was a dedicated, regimented press. My question is, how do you think our team in general and our midfield in particular dealt with that press today? Absolutely excellent question. Gav, I'm going to come to you first because um, I think uh, Quest has hit um, the nail on the head there. I felt like we looked a little um, panicked when they were press- pressing us in the second half, certainly. And I want to get your thoughts on that because what I noticed was they were really sort of pressing our centre-backs or trying to and put them under pressure. 
I think, um, well, I, I, I'm going to slightly disagree with you. I thought what they were doing was pressing our number six. Now, whether that have been Hendo or whether Wijnaldum found himself there, but they really, really put a lot of pressure, certainly in the first half. Towards the end of the game, they were pressing the centre-backs, definitely. Um, but we were a bit chaotic at that point. So I think mm-hmm. they could sniff a bit of blood. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it was all hands at the punt and they were desperately trying to get in the game, which they obviously did. Um, I thought they did a fantastic job, but I, I can't help thinking, and maybe I'm being a bit dismissive of them. I can't help thinking that we created a lot of our own problems by dawdling on the ball, by, by poor passing. Um, just, just by inviting pressure on ourselves, we didn't really deal with, um, you know, playing around the back, um, and feeding the midfield into comfortable positions. We were feeding the midfielders into really bad positions. They were on the, they were on, they had their back to, to, to the play. Uh, and I, I genuinely think that we, it was just a really poor performance from us today in, in most departments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tend to agree with you there. Jay, I'm going to come to you. I mean, I want to get your thoughts on uh, what Gav said there and your thoughts on uh, Leicester's pressing as well because one thing that I certainly noticed, and I think Gav's right, we did make a lot of our own problems and, um, you know, he's right to highlight the midfield because I thought they did kind of come across as quite passive today. Extremely, yeah. I mean, that was the main thing. I mean, unfortunately, speaking of passive midfield, it was we saw a bit of the Ginny Wijnaldum anonymity that we saw last season at parts, especially away from home, which I know became a bit of a um, cliche. But we saw a lot of that today, and it wasn't just from Ginny though; it was from the whole of those, all three of those midfielders yeah. really were, were pretty anonymous, and they couldn't get their foot on the ball, they couldn't keep their foot on the ball. I don't know whether it was to do with the Leicester pressing and the, and our panicky, and whether or not we were panic panicked with that, or whether. To me, I feel like we don't know how to slow a game down. So Carragher on the commentary was saying a lot about how we need to slow the game down. Now, to a degree, I agree with that. But we struggle with that because I I feel like when Liverpool players try and slow the game down, they try and kind of suppress anxiety and they and they can't do that. And so they end up what they should be doing is trying to ride with the excitement and the aggression and turning the anxiety back into excitement and sort of recycling it like that. Because what we end up doing when we, when we slow the game down is we end up just dawdling, as you say, it just doesn't look right. And they don't seem to be able to cope with it very well. Jay, I thought that, um, we, I mean, we've mentioned, um, one album there, obviously. Um, but I thought a lot of Milner's best work was actually, closing down their back four did you agree yeah to be honest with you i can't remember an awful lot of the high pressing today from from uh anyone in, in liverpool colors um but i would like to hear what the stats are midweek from him mm. on the Nina, did podcast. you see that i actually i'm with jay i just thought the mid this to me an indication of where when i feel like the midfield has underperformed or hasn't done his job is when there's spaces and i felt like there was quite a bit of space between the midfield and defense and i felt there was also a big space between the attack and the midfield and i felt Mm. also leicester were kind of certainly in the first half towards the end i thought we played really well for like maybe 15 20 minutes and then i kind of felt like they were kind of bypassing our midfielding areas yeah yeah, and I really, really did felt. feel that. Like, we were just completely, they completely negated it. Thought, right, you know what? We're just going to, like, 
play the ball over you. Granted, they didn't create any chances inside the box or in, you know, in dangerous areas. And we kept them at bay and it looked quite calm and quite comforting in that regard. But I felt like the, the midfield didn't quite show up. And I, and another indication for me is when the attack is really dropping deep, which it was today, certainly in the case of like the likes of Sadio Mane and, and uh, Roberto Firmino, when they start doing that, to me, that is, especially Roberto Firmino, to me, that is a sign that we are losing that midfield battle because I've not really seen Roberto Firmino do that that much this season because when Naby Keita or a player like Naby Keita's in there, he does the sort of box-to-box role. And I felt like we really lacked that today. I mean, I want to get your thoughts, Kwesi, on Ginny Wijnaldum because you actually spoke about him. And I, I mean, we, we had a chat um, uh, before we went on air, um, Gags Tandon, the producer, Gav, and we were waiting for Jay to come on. And I want to get your thoughts on this because we kind of thought that um, Ginny Wijnaldum was a little bit... He's more suited to the sixth role than a Henderson. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that at this stage. It, it seemed like on the ball especially, he was a little uncomfortable in the eighth role. The cadence of the passing and some of the passes into him, to be fair, weren't that great. Like they, You know, he likes to take it sort of on the half turn when he's playing the eighth. And they gave him, you know, with his back in, in, in uncomfortable positions. And so he wasn't that great on the ball, uh, which is unusual for him. Uh, another thing that I noticed is that we don't, certainly in the first half where we, we had the majority of possession, we didn't seem to be taking our chances to go forward anytime there was um, the defensive line of the other side went deep. So what we're doing is we would fall on them like a hungry bear if they played a high line. And of course, we're supposed to recycle the ball, go back into defense with it. If they manage, let's say we're attacking down a half space, the left half space with money, and they manage to get a defensive overload there, then we will simply pass it back, Van Dyke. To, to Gomez and recycling. But we're doing this even when they didn't have the defensive overload. As long as the defensive line was fairly deep, we would do that. We recycled a lot of balls that were unnecessary, I felt. And it sort of took the foot off of their neck, if you see what I mean. What should have happened is that we went in 3 0, 4 0 up. And then when, when our keeper did his stuff and Van Dyke did his stuff in the second half, it would have been fine. But yeah, I, I, Ginny wasn't great today in the eight. He was okay in the six. He blocked off the spaces, but he didn't get on the ball much anyway. And this was difficult. It was an eyesore to watch. But I still felt like after Allison did his cathartic bit, that was it. We got it out of our system and there's no way we'd have let them in again. I don't know what you guys think, but it, it looked comfortable at the back. I mean, I guess whilst um, Kwesi's just bought this up, I guess it's nice to maybe... First of all, listeners, we're very happy we got three points. We're not being negative at all. We're just trying to, <laughs> we're just trying to pick away at, at the performance. We're very, very happy. And I speak on behalf of 
everyone on this podcast <laughs> before you think, oh, God, you're so <laughs> negative. We're not. We're, we're just trying to make sense of, I mean, it is a new look, Liverpool, and we like the fact that we were actually quite horrendous and we still walked away with three points. It's <laughs> quite pleasing. I'm just going to go on air and say that, and I'm sure you guys agree as well. Guys, um, Cressy just made a good point there. Jay, I'll come to you first on this one. I want to get your thoughts on Alison. Do you, do you think um, maybe he needed to make that mistake? Um, because... Maybe he's got it out of his system that, hang on a minute, I'm no longer in Serie A. Maybe I don't have enough time like maybe I did in Italy and there are going to be players that are going to press me or going to snap at my heels and I need to have a bit more urgency. Yes, I can be great with my feet and we know he's great with his feet, but maybe this was a good learning curve for him. And luckily, not too costly as well. You know, we still walk away with maximum points. Yeah, I mean, I thought exactly the same in the sense that he may not be, I mean, again, it's another cliche that Serie A is slower and they don't press as high and all that sort of thing. But it, it probably is a true cliche. And he, he may have just needed it to get, get out of his system, as you've said. And actually, Cater did something similar last week where he dawdled and he, he gave a pass away really mm-hmm. uh, badly to, and it ended up with a really good knockout opportunity. So I think these things are kind of important. And then, after that, he didn't seem to have his confidence shaken nope. at all. He seemed really comfortable when the ball came to him. He booted it the first time it came to him, probably for the for the best. But then after that, he he still played his game and he still looked comf- confident. I did notice an urgency in him, though. Like, he wasn't pondering definitely. and holding on to it. He was like, right, I see a player. I'm just going to release it. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And I, and I was relieved to see that because even last week when, I mean, I remember sending the gif of his little chip over uh, the, the head and I sent the gif to my a group of my mates and they thought I was boasting but I, I wasn't boasting about what Alison did I was shitting myself <laughs> like I didn't like I don't like seeing that as a Liverpool fan even when it comes off because I've just as we've said before we're all scarred by these little individual errors that Liverpool mm-hmm. are being prone to so absolutely, yeah yeah absolutely Gavin I'm going to come to you because we kind of had a chat and it's worth noting as well like I think he produced quite a wonderful save in the first half as well and you know let's not forget that because he is a quality um, goalkeeper but I was I was speaking to you Gavin I feel the need that I should share this on air that my sister rings me at half time she's working at the hospital and she's like oh uh, did you see that save I think she was sneakily watching it on her break did you see that save oh he he fills me with such calm I love our defense I don't I you know, I, I can so get used you know, to us never conceding a goal. Sorry, I have a quick question to you. Is your sister a monk as well? Because I know she, your mom is. No, no, no. She is a, a Liverpool supporter. Me and her rebelled because we thought, hey, you know what? Why spot Man United like your dull ass, boring parents? <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Very good, that. And so. Dan, sorry for interrupting. <laughs> no, 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 it's absolutely fine. She is a Liverpool supporter. We both did it in 96. So you can't call us glory supporters because Liverpool were pretty fucking shit then. Uh, Gav, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to you. What did you make of um, Alison's game, certainly after that um, error that led to a goal? Out of all the things I read about him in the summer when we signed him, one of the things that is, is a big strength of his, apparently, is the, his ability to recover from a mistake. Um, so... Um, I'm, I'm hoping we saw a bit of that uh, today, but you know, when he did that thing last week, he also nearly got caught out on a couple of times last week as well against Brighton. Yeah. So um, it was, it's been on the cards. I'm kind of really delighted that he's made a mistake early, mm. and it hasn't cost us the game. And I think that 
is really, really important <laughs> because I don't want to, I don't want to ruin another keeper at all. Yeah. Mm. I really don't. Um, so I'm hoping that he's going to be all right moving forward. Absolutely. I mean, he had he had a few warning signs last week, didn't he? Um, uh, you know, after that chip, um, you know, he almost um, tried it again and it almost went horribly wrong for him. But, you know, this time around, he did concede. One thing I did kind of rate about him so much was the fact that he actually tried getting back in time and he did try sort of grazing his goal. I mean, of course, he got beat and he looked absolutely furious with himself. And I think Klopp did as well. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think, you know, Klopp will be having words with him and, uh, you know, hopefully that that element of his game is no longer hopefully I think an issue. That stre- I think that strengthens Klopp's argument because he will have mm. said something to him last week and gone, look, you can't do that in this league. You've got to be sure that you, what you're going to do is going to work and if you're not sure, then get rid. And that strength, what's happened today is say, see, I told you so. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you're going to get closed down a lot quicker than you used to. Just get rid of it. He had plenty of time. I mean, I think off air we, we spoke and I think Gag said that the ball threw to him that wasn't a good ball. I think it was from Van Dyke. It was. But that's irrelevant. He's got plenty of time to sort it out. Um, yeah. but like you said before, we've actually won today. So should we try and be a bit more positive? We are going to try being positive. <laughs> here the most upbeat positive optimistic local supporter <laughs> taking us down a dark dark path <laughs> Cressy um, I want to get your thoughts on the response to what the guys have said there before we let you go As, by the way I, I think these two panelists are brilliant so so uh, <laughs> great to have you I mean your, oh, your, your insights have been wonderful thank and, you very much yeah man I was yeah, a bit of credit for the host, people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, man, so that's... Good. What, what Gavin just said was is spot on. I mean, it's all about decision making, right? Um, and you stack the deck in your favor. So, for instance, the chip, I wasn't bothered because it was set up. You had Knockhart running uh, like a train. And all you needed to do is knock the ball away from him. You could go over, you could go to the sides. He decided to go over him. Fine. The fact is, knockout wouldn't have been able to recover. When you have a static situation where your back is to the opponent and he's closing you down and he's the mobile one and you can't get mobile because you're, you know, you're stuck in a corner, then really and truly you need to get rid. And that's he needs scenarios like that to happen more where he gets the practice to recognize early because he clearly is a good decision maker. Otherwise, he makes his decisions really quickly. Mm. By the way, as I used, I used to be a goalkeeper. And if you make your decisions quickly, it really works out for you. The other thing I wanted to do is shout out to Bobby Firmino because I, first of all, I woke up this morning and I put on my Firmino home jersey. And he, he was immense today, generally. He was immense. Even the few fouls that were called, those bouncing balls, his pressing and his, his, his gengen pressing, counter pressing was really, really good. And he, of the three up the front, really sort of flagged. Mm. So much so that poor Danny Storage couldn't get on on his birthday, which is a pity. But I'm, I'm, I'm really happy. We needed to go through this. This is the sort of experience that will make you a better team. Not necessarily the winning when you play badly, but facing a side, facing the adversity, playing through it. And for periods there, quite frankly, they wiped the floor with us in midfield. 
and then working it out by yourself as a team and coming out the other side. So that was all great. Quite happy. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. And if I had a mic, I would drop it. And I'm not going to drop my studio mic, Kwesi. But thank you so much for calling. That was brilliant. Yes, man. Thank you for having me again. And I'll have Always. a one weekend, all of you, and keep up the good work. You Thanks, too, Kwesi. Cheers, Kwesi. See ya. Right. Cheers, man. Bye-bye. So that was the legendary caller, Kwesi Davis. Uh, we're going to move on to our second caller. Also a new voice, I believe, on the Nina Kowser Show. It is Dave from Edinburgh. He is an AI Pro subscriber. Welcome to the show, Dave. Thank you very much, Nina. Um, I love your work. Great work. Thank you. Uh, and I've been a fan, a very big fan. Um, my my question to the panel basically is... Um, I believe the midfield, the midfield pairing, so the um, three um, midfielders we have today are, are actually the weakest pairing uh, for our midfield. Um, I just don't think it works. As in, you could see the way the the lad Madison controlled Jordan Jordan um, Jordan Henderson. It was mm. just really surprising uh, the way he was picking pockets. You know, just making the midfield look stupid. You know, um, and I think. A, a big, a big reason why we actually lost the 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 um, the Champions League final was this same midfield three, you know. Um, I just believe that this this midfield was crying out for a player like Fabinho today, you know. Mm. Having a player like Fabinho would have changed the whole game. You could see, you could see, you could see how the you could see how the game changed immediately. Shakiri and um, and um, Kaita were brought in. Yeah. Where, where as in where um Gini had to come down um to the tip of, of the midfield and support the defense. As you can see the control as as we got the game back. Mm. Um I did I I really I really believe I'm I'm sorry, first firstly I'm so happy that we have the full twelve points, you know. Mm. Um not to be very um pessimistic, you know. I'm 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 optimistic for the season and I and I think we'll go far. But I think Klopp just Klopp just needs to. I think the wrong word I'll use here is actually bias, but I'll just say Klopp Klopp just needs to be a bit less biased with with the with the English lads and give this the the, the better players a chance, you know, to develop and come in quickly so that we can push forward. Because firstly, I believe if we if we use this midfield um, against Paris Saint Germain, <laughs> it would be a different story. You know, um, so, so, um, so my question to the panel business was, what do you think of my opinion? And, um, let me know what you think of this. Thank you very much. No, absolutely. Well, stay on. You'll, you'll hear what the panel have to say. Um, I think it's a great question. I think it's a great discussion point because I feel like this is a debate that gets had so many times on social media. And, and things like that. So, Gav, I'm going to come to you first on, on the midfield because we, again, uh, we have a lot of conversations off air, people, but I feel the need to kind of bring them back on and, you know, see what we kind of discuss there. I want to get your thoughts on this midfield because, to me, this kind of... Maybe it could have just been like a tactical slight difference. Maybe if he stuck with Ginny playing the deepest. I want to get your thoughts because one thing that I've kind of noticed with this midfield is because it, 
it was pretty much our starting midfield last season. Certainly when Ox picked up the injury and um, Emery Jean was nowhere to be seen. This was the midfield that was picking. It was the midfield that played in the final against Madrid as well, I believe. And people were like, it needs an upgrade. It needs an upgrade. It can be too same. It can be a bit too... There's no creativity. There's no spark. There's much of a muchness there. And today really felt that. So I want to get your thoughts because... I think Dave has made some excellent points, but to me, this kind of didn't feel like, oh, Klopp is playing this midfield. It kind of felt like to me that I need to rest Naby because he runs himself into the ground and maybe I can bring in Jordan Henderson and bring him in just before the international break. And it kind of felt more like that, more of a rotation rather than, oh, this is my midfield from last season and I'm going to play it again. Um, <clears throat> well, yeah, thanks, Nina. Um, I know what you're saying. Um <sighs> I'm gonna to have to disagree with the caller, to be honest with you. I, I don't, I don't think this is the worst midfield that we've got. I mean, um, certainly this season on form, Wijnaldum and Milner have been two of the best players in the team. So, you know, using your eyes, they deserve their place. If you want to play football manager and look but at how, stats. But how do things significantly change when you throw Jordan Henderson into the mix? Because one thing that I've kind of noticed with Ginny Alden's game, I mean, it'll be a great discussion to have. One thing that I have noticed, I mean, and I'm not having a go at Jordan Henderson because I think he is a valuable asset. I think he's amazing. I think it's great to have that kind of option off the bench because he does press and run himself into the ground. He has a lot of benefits to a Jurgen Klopp side. But what I find is the the complexion of the midfield look completely different. I mean, is James Milner tired then? Is um, Ginny Wijnaldum more suited to a six rather than an eight? Maybe had Jurgen Klopp played Ginny Wijnaldum in the six and maybe played Jordan Henson in an eight, would the system and the setup be different? These are all possibilities, but mm-hmm. you know, I don't think football's as binary as that. You know, just because the midfield didn't work today doesn't mean that they're rubbish. Um, I just think that they didn't play well today, uh, and it's as far as I can go. You know, they've played well in the past. Um, we played that actual midfield in the past, and it's worked really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think against Man City away from home in the uh, Champions League, it was that midfield, and we we won. So. Um, I, I don't have a problem with it. I just think that there's, there's a little bit of trying to get people up to speed. And when you were talking about the fact that he's brought Henderson and rested Naby Keita, I don't particularly think Naby Keita needs a rest. He might have run himself to the ground, but he's had a week to recover. So it's not exactly um, a heavy schedule, is it? I think part of the thing is he's got to get Henderson up to speed. Henderson's played... 30 and 20 minutes here and there. He's not played enough football and we're going to need him in the next few weeks. Our schedule is mad. Um, so I think there's a bit of that. But, um, you know, I take the point they didn't play well today in the midfield. They looked off the pace. And, and what you were saying before, we were talking, me and Gags, before the game. Um, I'd much rather like to see Henderson as an eight and, you know, Wijnaldum as a six. But, it, you know, they rotate so much. It's not static positions anyway. Mm. Um, but they didn't work today for me. And like I said, I made that point before, um, Milner's best work was, was pressing the, uh, the back four. Um, he didn't really get involved an awful lot in what was good creative play for us. So it, I just don't think it worked today. And I don't think you can sit here and sort of look for reasons and go, well, that doesn't work. We're never going to play it again. Football's not like that. No, I, I take your point, and I can't wait to I can't wait to listen to Under Pressure because I really want to see these James Milner pressing stats now because you keep <laughs> highlighting them. So Neither I, I see... made notes through the game, and that's one of my notes. See, oh, okay. this this you know this is why you're on the Nina Cavs show. This is why you got <laughs> praised by Cressy because he makes notes. People, Jay, I'm going to come to you. I mean, could it be that the midfield maybe just looked a little? 
off or maybe this combination looked off because Leicester maybe pressed them, maybe Leicester tried negating them in game in certain parts of this game as well by completely bypassing them. Do you think those are all contributing factors as well as to why this midfield didn't work? And I think Dave made the point as well that, you know, this midfield would absolutely struggle against Paris Saint-Germain. I think he's absolutely spot on in, in my opinion. I don't, I don't think this would be the midfield. But I want to get your thoughts on what did you, what um, Dave's points and, of course, um, what Gav said there as well. I mean, I don't disagree with anything anyone says, even though they're kind of differing points of view. Mm. It's, just, it's really interesting to take a, to take all the different perspectives in because I can see Dave's point as well, and I can also see Gav's point. You know, we we can't let one bad performance sort of colour our whole perspective. But um, Dave's point, I think, should be taken in the sense that they're probably the three least creative of the midfield options we've got in a way um Ginny on it and when Ginny plays in that sort of eight he he seems to he does seem to be more anonymous um and and Milner takes on a very similar role to what Wijnaldum does so what we end up with is a kind of what feels like a really flat three that that are sort of doing as you said earlier kind of a much of a muchness um oftentimes I mean that's not always the case and again as Gav said that those variables can change depending on who we're playing, depending on the way the opposition attack us. And there's so many different variables to, to consider. But I mean, as I said, and I touted this statistic when I spoke to Gab before, there's 35 combinations of that midfield three. <laughs> I, I, love that. That I love that. I love that. It was amazing. Two, 210 permutations, remember, if you take into consideration, you know, DM, CM, AM kind of roles. There's lots of different permutations there. And I do wonder if it was more to do with the fact that we've got Ginny and Milner playing a very similar role today um, and that just didn't work against a very, very hungry, aggressive Leicester side. Um, it's, so in a, in, in a way, what I'm saying is I agree with everybody. <laughs> Jay, Jay, don't you think that part of the problem at the moment is Fabinho isn't even making the squad and his stock is really high because everyone just assumes he's better than what's playing on the pitch? Yeah, but I mean, actually, if he was that good, he'd be playing, surely. If, if, if I think, I think Klopp is actually, um, so, like you said, like he's sort of bringing people in, and I, yeah. I don't, I don't know if I've read somewhere. I, I, please, um, don't quote me on this, but I think I was just, I mean, I just remember just seeing something on Twitter, maybe a quote about Fabinho that he's actually taking his time with Fabinho in the no, sense he said that pre-season, Nina. Klopp Did he said say- it in pre-season because we, yeah. yeah, me and Jay spoke about this before. Klopp said exactly that in pre-season. The movements that he makes, he drops in between the, the two centre-backs quite a lot, which is what mm. he did for Monaco, and Klopp doesn't mm. like that. He prefers yeah. his midfield. Let the two centre-backs play and the midfielders play in front of them so that there's there's passing angles and there's passing lanes for the centre-backs. And yeah. I think I saw that quite a lot in pre-season. Mm. And I think that's what he's basically doing a Robertson with Fabinho. I was just going to bring yeah. that in. That was my next thingy to bring in that he, he held off with Robertson for quite a while till he, he was happy and he was sure because, um, and obviously he knew that he was happy and up to, you know, he was up to speed with what Liverpool and what he wanted him to do with Liverpool. Um, Graham Hunter said that on the Euro Incision podcast when he interviewed him. So that's, that's how I'm kind of seeing it, certainly with Fabinho. But I'm going to come around to all of you now because, I think we've had a really interesting discussion there about the midfield. So, okay, you have a Fabinho, you have a Naby Keita, you have a Jordan Henderson, you have a James Milner uh, and a Ginny Wijnaldum. Who is your starting three? I'm not going to bring Ox into the equation because he, he looks like a long-term injury and we don't know when he'll be back. 
So I'm going to go all around. So who is your midfield starting three? And you know what? Um, Jay, I'll come to you first. <laughs> well, it's weird because me and Gav spoke about this on the first uh, guy show that we did. Um, and we were all in agreement, I think, that we were going to go for Fabinho. Hen no, Fabinho, Wijnaldum and Cater. But has that changed? Well, I haven't seen anything of Fabinho at the moment. So with that in mind, well, long term, I'd like to see Fabinho in that three. I think mm. that's I think that's why he brought him in. So I would like to see him there. And I'd like to probably see Cater. And at the moment, possibly Wijnaldum. But I mean, it's a real tough one for that third spot. Uh, it's a real tough one. And also, I don't want to take Henderson out of the equation because actually for that first 20 minutes he was knocking the ball around really well today and mm. it was just after that for whatever reason we got overrun and Henderson was one of the casualties of that and I think, sorry I wasn't sure whether you were going to bring me back in I think um, there's another player you've forgotten Lalana, by the way um, yeah. I think I think we all assume that Fabinho once he's up to speed he will play but I I can't diminish the fact that Klopp absolutely loves Henderson and Henderson's effect on the team is 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 quite stark. So I would think you're looking at a Henderson, Keita and a another. Um mm. at the moment it would be between um Wijnaldum and, and Milner for me. I don't I, we don't know what Fabinho is yet. Do you know what no. I mean? We actually well, don't know what he is. We we're assuming that he's better than what's playing, but we don't know. It, the other thing is, is I I would actually genuinely like to not necessarily see the same style of three midfielders every single week. Yeah, like I moment, think it's playing... opposition based, isn't it? It That's depends who point. you play. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at the moment we're playing a six and two eights essentially, and I would really like to see um, two sixes and a ten. You know, I'd like to see a six mm. and eight and a ten in so many variations. Some games, won't we? Yeah, and, I'd, I'd, and that's when we might see a double pivot of Henderson and Fabinho yeah. and, and all sorts of different variations. And I, I think there's scope for that. We just need to get everyone up to speed on, on the same page. Nina, can I just ask you something? You mentioned before, I, I, I've not had a chance to ask you, um, you said that you prefer um, um, Genie as a six rather than an eight, and you think mm -hmm. that you know he doesn't really play the eight that well. I think we've seen good games when he's played eight, but I think he's a lot more inconsistent as an eight than he is as a six. When he plays at a six, you get a regular um, <clears throat> level of performance from him, but when he plays as an eight, he can drift in and out of games. He has some games where he's great, some some games where he's anonymous, which is what you said before. Do you what do you think about that? I think what's happened with Genuine Yaldum, and I kind of noticed it, certainly, um, I'm gonna, Dave, I'm going to come back to you, don't worry, I've not forgotten about what, Sorry, what would Dave. be your ideal three midfield picking, but I'll just quickly answer this before I forget, because I have such a shit memory. Right, okay, so Genuine <laughs> Yaldum against Brighton, um, in the first half he was... He was a little conservative and he was a little safe and it was almost like he kind of morphed into that sort of Jordan Henson kind of player. Just play it safe, just play it back, just keep possession, you know, not playing the adventurous pass. And I feel like that's in an eight, you kind of need your player to be a bit more adventurous because you, you're kind of playing the box-to-box -box role. So you need to be the link. In a six, you can afford to be that player as well as playing the short, tight, incisive passing. And I think that's why, for me, he works better in, in the six role because he can do that. As for in an eight role, you are full-on expected to be 
you know, playing those spraying passes and looking up and, you know, passing it across the field, which he did against Brighton. He started to get better at it, but I just think he's not doing it enough. And I think that is the problem. And I felt like today that was the problem again. Maybe the setup around him wasn't great. Maybe the midfield was being negated. Maybe he didn't have the options. But to me, I prefer him as a six. I think he's just better, a little bit deeper. And, I, you know, I think people underestimate his sort of um, physical strength as well. I, I yeah, think he's quite strong exactly. in that role. And I think because he's a little guy, people just think, oh, it's just Ginny Wijnaldum. But I, actually, he has got a lot of presence. And for me, that's why I think he works in that role really well. I mean, going back to Fabinho and, uh, you know, what the discussion that you had there, I've just had Gags sort of um, message me saying Fabinho said himself that he's used to playing in a two. So I think they're trying to coach him into maybe, the you know, how to play in a midfield three. Because, again, systematically, that's quite different and quite challenging as well. So obviously going through the drills and training and stuff. But Dave, I'm going to come back to you. You've heard what they've said about the midfield. I want to get your thoughts. You kind of highlighted Paris Saint-Germain. So, you know, if we're playing Paris Saint-Germain and you've got all those midfielders fully fit and fully healthy and, you know, at your disposal, who would be your ideal front three? Very, um, I've heard what you all, I've heard what you all have to say. Uh, and very good question, Nina. Uh, I think for me, it's, it's a no-brainer. Um, Kaita, mm-hmm. Fabinho, and any other, and any other, and any, and any of the midfields. Um, so, and any other midfield. And surprisingly, I'll go for Jordan, Jordan M. Henderson. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think he will be able in the eighth role and actually supporting, um, and actually giving, um, Fabinho some kind of support to, to run out, um, to, to run out a midfielder like, um, Verratti, you know? He has, um, Henderson has his, his uh, specialties and he's very good at setting things. But they are saying, but, but as in, but as, as in the same thing that he's very awful at. Is Verratti suspended? Or am I missing the point here? Is Verratti suspended? No, I think he, no, Ver, Verratti isn't suspended. Isn't, isn't suspended. Isn't suspended. What I'm saying basically is that Henderson would be able to negate ah, okay. Verratti, basically. And then um, Verratti will be, in my opinion, Verratti will be non-existent if Henderson is playing the eighth role mm-hmm. and giving feminine support. So I heard what your the panel has to say as well, right? Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then, um, and then um, I heard, um, and I also heard one of the panelists saying that he wants Jordan, Jordan, um, Henderson, and Kaita as the key two pairs in 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 our midfield three. I really think that's. I really think in. In my opinion, I, I actually do beg to differ. I actually, I actually think um, today, the, the the today today one of the key reasons why why we had the, the issues we had in in midfield was because of uh, Jordan Henderson. I think his ability to so his his technical ability is is is, is pretty poor. Firstly, and um, he wasn't taking proper angles, you know. So that actually, so, so, so the transition from defense to, to, to as in, to, to as in, to as in midfield was really, really poor. And that's why players like Jim actually became missing and, and, and um, didn't have an effect on the game. So for me, I think having Jutunanesin as the, as a pair with Kaita, I know the captain, I know he's English, but he's, we won't go anywhere. For many years, we've had, um, as in, for, as, for instance, I, I have a colleague at work and he comes up every day and he speaks and speaks about how Liverpool, how, how Liverpool hasn't won any, any, anything in 23 years in, in, um, for a long time. And we speak and I tell him, who do you want? 
and he comes in and says, "Why would why would um why would Klopp or Liverpool want to buy? Why 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 would Klopp or Liverpool want as in, want to buy Alisson as a new keeper? Why don't we go for Buckland? Why do we buy? Why 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 do we buy Van Dijk? Why don't we go for Maguire? You know? Why do we? So why? So why do we, why do we want Fabinho? Why don't we stick with Hennessy? You know, it's, it's simply over and over and over and again. You know, for instance, I heard someone say previously, "Why are we buying um, Suarez? Why don't we go for some English striker?" You know. So I think for me, I I really don't care if the whole midfield are from Afghanistan as far as we win the league. You know. So I know there's there's a there's a there's a for, for Liverpool fans it's just really crazy because I hate this too much. You know, you want to win the league. You want everybody to. You, you want all the players to come from Liverpool. It, mm. it doesn't work like that. Let's win the league, then we can bring up English players. You know, like Trent. Trent is really good. Mm. Um, what's his name? Go, go, go Gomez is really good. Mm-hmm. He's very good. <clears throat> um, this other young lad has come in the midfield. I don't know this. The um, this sixteen years old guy lad from 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 the academy. You can see he's talented as well. You know, so. Firstly, let's go win this league. Let's get back to the top. Then we can slowly bring up um, scousers and English players through. So the fact that someone was I look at, at, at the football team and pick Hennessy over Fabinho, I mean, it's just really shocking. Mm. I want to win the league. That's my that's my aim. I don't care if the players are from um, Afghanistan, you know. So let's actually look at things in, in a logical way and get this through and build a good team and win the league. So, in my opinion, I think, I, I, like the question said, I think the best three midfielders would be for for as in for as in the PSG match will be Henderson, Fabinho, and Kaita. Thank you very much. No, nice. And you know, anyone that's telling you that Butland is better than Allison and Maguire is better than Van Dyke, you know what? You need new friends and get rid of them, people. You don't need that negativity in your life. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, this is really, I mean, this thing gets in my head because, for instance, I listen to all other podcasts and I hear someone come and say that he wants, um, he wants, um, um this, this lad will loan to Leicester. So this no, this lad will loan to South Southampton. Was the um, Mr. Ings that he wants Dan Ings over Fabinho? That really loves him. I don't care, you know. Fabinho is mm. Brazilian. I, I don't care. I, I just want to win. I, I just want the best players in Liverpool. I want I, I want Liverpool to win the league. I don't really care yeah. where they are from. So let's get to the bottom of this and let's get this all off our head and get the best thing, get 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 the best thing possible and and actually win the league. Thank I you think much. we're all with you there. Thank you, Dave. So that was Dave from Edinburgh, first-time caller. Really appreciated the discussion that he brought forward with the panel. Thank you so much, Dave. Now, that is the end of the call-in segment. Now it's just myself and I'm the water carrier and I'm joined by, you know, the two stars right now because Cressy thinks so. Um, Dave, uh, Jay and um, Gav, you're still with us. Um, I think what we need to do now is kind of discuss the kind of loose ends of the game, things that the par- the callers didn't touch on. So I think it's only fair that we discuss the goals. I mean, Jay, I'm going to come to you first. Um, I thought um, just uh, I want to talk about Sadio Mane's goal because we, I mean, we, we missed a glorious chance uh, before that earlier on with um, you know Roberto Firmino coming very close and then. Uh, Mosala failing to convert and then Sadio Mane um I thought that was a great run by Andy Robertson by the way and putting it in and quite lucky but he top it and it goes in no fucking yeah. about 
I mean, that first 20 minutes feels like about mm. a year ago now. Just like, <laughs> it was, it was like, when that first 20 minutes was happening, I was like, oh, this is the Liverpool we haven't seen an awful lot of this season so far. Um, and, uh, and then we just went off the ball a bit. So let's, let's be a bit more positive because that opening 20 minutes, I thought we played really well. We created a lot of opportunities. And, um, yeah, Salah and Firmino both probably should have scored, to be honest with you. But, but I wouldn't, necessarily criticize either of them for that because they were in the right position and they were creating good opportunities but then the goal um i thought it was uh i thought it was really well taken from Mane, and um once again i thought who I, the player who i think has been one probably the best if not one of the top five i know that's half of the team but <laughs> one of the best for liverpool this season is robertson i thought he created it really well um, it was his aggression and determination again that got us that goal. I I feel absolutely. And Gab, your thoughts on the goal? It was just great, great work from down the wing from uh, Robertson, mm. wasn't he? he? Bundled his way through. I think the defender was quite poor, Ricardo. Uh, and then also Wes Morgan just didn't come towards him, which was is, is astounding. Really, I guess he, he felt like he needed to hold his position, but that gave Robbo the space to come in. I mean, Robbo actually put in some lovely uh, cutbacks in the first half, and in fact, so did Firmino, but there mm. just wasn't anyone there. We couldn't get on the end of it. But yet, um, Mane, you know, finished off really well. Um, so it was um, it was great. Um, a good time to score, I think, as well, because we were on top at that time. Yeah. And then, mm. like Jay, you said, it was 20 minutes where we played well, and then all of a sudden... We just started um, losing a couple of second balls, and that was what prompted, from my notes, the save from um, from Allison. Mm-hmm. There was a bit of a, a bit of pinball wizard going on in there, and the ball was not getting cleared properly. And then there was a save, and then I think directly after that there was a corner, and he made a, he, he came for a great take, didn't he? And it so yeah, thought, right, calm it down now. But we never really seemed to recover. Did you think that, Nina? From there, well. It's it's bizarre because although they saw a lot of the ball and like I that's when I felt like they started kind of bypassing our midfield and started taking control over the game and like you said we went off the boil. They although they had a lot of the ball and they looked a little bit more alert and sharp than what we did, they weren't really worrying me, if if that makes sense. Like yeah, yeah they had shots and they they you know, asked some questions of our, you know, of our defence and the goalkeeper made some saves. But I wasn't like, oh, this is freaking me out. And one thing that, which actually you've kind of cued me in nicely, Gavin, I'm going to stay with you because I felt like Liverpool just wanted to see out that half and I thought they were maybe quite happy to maybe just leave it at 1-0 because I felt like there was a lack of urgency. But a set piece from James Milner and that boy with the beautiful white sparkly teeth Roberto Firmino finally gets his goal because like you've all said guys he's worked his ass off this season he's pressed like an absolute maniac he gets in some into some really good positions and it was just so great to see him sort of score get on getting on the scoring action and for me the most important thing was was the timing of that goal right before half time you know it was just like complete control back to us in that element you love Bobby Firmino, don't you? You loved him before he came to us. I, I, I did, hearing, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember hearing a podcast where you were waxing lyrical about him. Um, he's great. I mean, 
I love Bobby. I don't quite think quality-wise he's up to speed yet. I don't know what you no. guys think. He's, he, there's things, he's losing the ball a bit too much, but his work rate is always there. I mean, by the way, I'm not just isolating him here. Salah's in the same boat today. Sometimes yeah. where he had he had passes to make in the final third and he didn't didn't do, you know, just, just get it pinpoint and he just wasn't... He wasn't in the first um, half, though, his passing, I thought his passing was okay in the first half. I thought it dropped significantly in the second, second he, half. Yeah, he looked a bit jaded. Why, probably why he got took off. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, looking at the goal, um, and talk about, like you just said, I can't agree with you more, what a time to score, because they'd had a bit of pressure and we've come in and just nicked another goal just before half-time. You go in half-time, the team talks totally different. But um, the actual goal, you know, the corner comes in and if you look at it, um, you, you're expecting Van Dijk and Gomez to work in, in tandem. And they were, they sort of swapped over. But what happened was Bobby just made this little step to the right mm. and created enough space for him. And Madison was nowhere near him at that point. You know, at that crucial time, Bobby's got himself a yard. And we've seen it before with those sort of headers with Bobby. He normally gets them in. He had one in the Brighton game where the guy made a ridiculous save, didn't he? Mm. Um, yeah. So, no, great time to score, and we, I went into um, half-time absolutely buzzing, I really did. <laughs> yeah, that's well, where I got cocky and arrogant as well. Jay, your <laughs> thoughts? Yeah, I mean, like like you said, um, Gav, um, I, I thought we I thought we were kind of lucky in a way to get that goal just before half-time um, because they'd had all the yeah. they'd had all the play, but it actually came off the back of probably our first period of four minutes where we just put our foot on the ball again like like you I'd make a couple of notes and I'd written that that second goal came just as we'd started to have four or five minutes of play again because before yeah. that it was 20 minutes it was all Leicester and actually it was during that little five minutes just before half time that um, Salah probably I think it might be the first time he's had an opportunity to shoot from outside the box he, he found a little pocket of space and he had a shot from outside the box and um, troubled their keeper and yeah. I, I thought at that point, I thought we haven't seen that this season, but I was—I don't know whether that's because Salah's not up to it yet, or because teams are just absolutely doubling up on him every single time. So, what do you guys think? Do you think people are just hounding him out? Well, it's interesting because for what you've just said, because I—I I had kind of had a thought at the beginning of the game. I thought, I wonder will Mane get more goals than Salah this season, and yeah, is there I a reason the for that? Yeah, yeah. And is there a reason for that? And I think what you've just said might well be something we're going to see in every game he's going to have he's going to have two three men trying to mark him out I mean he just doesn't didn't seem to be able to find any space it was only a few times in the game but um what do you think about that Nina do you agree with Jay I think he is now um the hot property in the Premier League and of course everyone he is like ultimately the, the guy that you kind of you know managers will say mark out mark out and I think what you need to remember as well is um as as listeners as fans as um you know people who watch football he had such an insane season last season like totally. he was pretty much breaking all records and he might not hit those levels this season but that doesn't mean that his quality's dropped or he's not the same player or he's having an off season or, you know, as some people um, completely go up on the opposite scale and will say, oh, he's completely crap because he didn't produce what he did last season. That's utter bollocks. What you need to remember is what he did last season was insane and it was it out was of this world. Extraordinary, wasn't it? Yeah, it was out of this world and he would have to be, uh, I mean, I, I expect, I mean, you'd have to be a freak of nature to replicate what he did last season. Yeah. 
And you would also think that managers and defenders and other clubs are insanely naive to allow him that much space from last season. You'd think that they'd learned something as well. Look at Sadio Mane, his first season. He was amazing for us. We just, he was just that, that winger that had a little bit of pace for us because our team lacked width and pace and Mane bought that. Last season, uh, Salah comes in and it's Sadio Mane's second season. Other Sadio Mane's, um, He's having a terrible game. He's not playing well. Uh, he's not having much of X, Y, and Z because Mo Salah was taking all the headlines and he was, you know, he was the superstar player. And I think it's much of the sameness. I think it just kind of gets passed around. And I think we are in a great, luxurious position where we have three deadly attackers. And if one's having an off game, it's not the end of the world because that's you've got it, yeah. other two guys that are performing. No, I, to me, that is like the best position you could possibly be in because there's nothing worse than having one superstar forward who, you know, just say, for example, like the Fernando Torres era where he was the lone striker and he wanted everything played through him and he was the guy that was going to get you goals. Soon as he was injured, it was like, shit, the wheels are coming off a little. Yeah, I don't completely. feel like that right now. Completely. No, exactly. Can I just have a Jurgen Klopp moment? You um, must, as long as you do the accent. What I'm going to say, and I can say this now because I'm not using an excuse because we did actually win, but I felt the pitch looked incredibly dry and the ball was getting caught under people's feet and passes weren't going as, as far as they, they, they should have. I mean, did, did anyone else think that as well? Well, I hadn't thought of it, but I hadn't noticed it, but you, you, could, you could be right. I, I had actually noticed that the, the pitch looked different and I couldn't work out why from because obviously it's difficult to tell on the on your screen but I hadn't noticed that as such but maybe that's a good reason because um it the, the passes were a bit slower weren't they so maybe the grass was longer well I could just see gags throwing a message up said, <laughs> yeah that's why I said it <laughs> I was like, I'll just me and Gags had a quick chat about it before and he agreed with me I, I just think there was many times when when Salah was trying to get going and he was trying to get the ball out of his feet, and he couldn't. And even Trent Alexander-Arnold's touch, you know, there was one in the second half where he did seem to be able to get it out of his feet. Did you see that as well, Nina? I didn't know, but, you know, this is the problem with me. I have to, I'm going to have to go and watch that again. Yeah, I'll be the same, exactly, yeah. Mm. Like Milner's pressing, yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, you know what, and I'll laugh if you're absolutely right. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm like, shit. <laughs> yeah. I just I didn't know I don't deny it I just uh, I just didn't notice so I'm just backing me up because he's put uh, Milner has pressed the most in the first three games so far this season. Yeah, first three games. Yeah. And talking of which, um, I I have um uh, whilst we're speaking about this game, uh, Melissa Reddy um obviously at the at the presser with Jurgen Klopp, Klopp on Allison's mistake. I said to him, it's the best game to do it in because we still won. We learned yes. from it. I told the boys we shouldn't use him in the wrong moments. He is not a solution for us. He is an option. So we pretty much said that. Jurgen totally. agrees with us. Happy days. Please, <laughs> <laughs> we're right. We must be... Uh... You must be pretty he, clever if Jürgen agrees with us. You know, he's he's um he's listening. He's hacked in somehow. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you what we were saying, people. That would but, be amazing. Absolutely. Like, we've discussed the attack. I think we're quite happy. You know, this. It's funny how people think the attack isn't performing. It's still quite disjointed, but yet they're still scoring goals. I love that. It's just you know nothing. No complaints here. Going to move on to the last segment, guys. The defense. Want to get your thoughts on the defense because um. I think we should talk about Joe Gomez and Jay, I'm going to come to you first on this because I thought Joe Gomez, 
I mean, he's just impressing. Um, he's impressing game by game. I thought he was very good against Brighton. Looks very good today as well. Um, I actually thought he was um, the, the more calm and more assured centre-back. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of anything he, he did wrong. Um, and it's weird because in previous seasons and in Liverpool, under Klopp especially, our defence has kind of been that last resort. And then every single time it's the last resort, they fail, essentially, in previous seasons. But this season so far, now this is a little bit of a worry, but I want to keep it optimistic. But this season, we our defence has had to be at its absolute strongest in all four games, or mm-hmm. well, maybe bar the West Ham game. and. Gomez has been at the forefront of that and he's done, he's got incredible amount of pace, which is just really handy when you're coming up against strikers like Damari Gray. Um, and he, he did well against the Inacho as well because I thought he was really trying to press um, Gomez, certainly when he came yeah. on. Yeah, I mean, he's not a little lad either. I mean, like, mm. but too, you know, he's obviously got a lot of power and pace and he's doing a really good job at the moment and um, I'm really glad to see it because I always wanted to see him uh, eventually be the solution to that centre-back pairing eventually mm. but I don't know that may be a bit too early to say that but he's done another great job today I think he's he we we chatted that that pod that we did where we were talking about the squad before the season and I, I remember saying to you Jay that we don't actually know who Gomez is as a centre-back because we've not yeah. seen him we've seen him play two games and the best game I've ever seen him play as a centre-back was it for England against Brazil so yeah. it was a three, he's been, a three though then wasn't it it was just a three yeah we, we yeah. mentioned that I think it's just fantastic that he's come in and we've all hoped that he was going to be the, this centre-back he was going to become our centre-back for the next 10-15 years and certainly in the first four games he certainly looks like that I mean last-ditch blocks that he got in one of them was outstanding oh today. yeah I forgot mm. about yeah. that one that was brilliant yeah. absolutely outstanding it was a certain goal and he, he, yeah. he got there and it was actually Van Dijk who, who made a bit of a mistake and, and sort of lost the, the play in front of him and then yeah. Gomez just appeared um, and that is all really really positive he's really strong um, he won a lot of his Jules today, um, it's it's just uh, it's just really positive for us. Because- Can I flip the goal on a positive, guys? Uh, before we end this pod, do you think it was? I think in hindsight, maybe it was great that they conceded a goal because this is a different sort of scenario for them where they've always kept clean sheets. It was maybe a good psychological test to see how the defense copes with first of all losing a stupid like sloppy goal. Where, you know, uh, you know, you've been put into that position where you kind of gifted a goal. Secondly, to see how you deal with that press and then, right, okay, we've conceded a goal. We've not done it all season. Now the pressure's really on us. Everyone's really looking at us. Is it going to be the same old Liverpool again? And for them to kind of, you know, hold their shape. I think I agree with you, Nina, you know, and I thought after the goal went in, having clean sheets, it can actually, the more you have them, this can Makes sound it complacent. Weird. But nobody, it becomes a monkey on your back. Yeah. Almost. Do you know what I mean? It's like, we because I was desperate for us to keep a clean sheet because I wanted to keep that record that we've had yeah. going. Now that we've conceded one, you can almost relax a little bit, a bit and go, well, we don't need to keep that record up and we can just concentrate on playing. Do you agree with that, Jay, or am I talking? Uh, <laughs> no, I totally agree because I, I feel that might be a part of the reason why we've been a little bit cagier than I would have liked to have seen because now we've got that off our back, so to speak. We now know that our defence can do it when called upon, which we didn't have in previous seasons. We've got a goalie that can that can uh, save, do um, 
do really good saves and comes to comes for crosses and catches them most of the time. And now our midfield and attack can focus on being being as good as they can be like they were last season because at the moment it's been very cagey in most of the games and it, we've got progressively more cagey so this will be interesting to see if that has a bit of a psychological boost for us absolutely i couldn't agree with you more and i think gav and, and jay i think you're both spot on there i think that monkey is off the back and also i feel like it's it was good to see the team respond to conceding a goal because usually we tend to draw those games especially because it was like 20 minutes of like oh shit this could be too too easy but guys i think we've come to the end i want to get your thoughts i mean i think we spoke about the defense i think um i i mean i i don't have a crystal ball but i'm assuming joe gomez is man of the match well he is for me i want to get your thoughts um yeah i mean definitely up there for me uh there wasn't an awful lot of other outstanding candidates. A few people struggled, didn't they? Trent struggled at right back, but I don't know whether he was getting an awful lot of help. Um, some of that I just wanted to mention, and I was trying to get a word in edgeways. Was <laughs> um, didn't you love the shit housery from us at the end of the game, wasting mm-hmm. time? And Nina, you know, we don't do that well enough, do we? And other teams seem to do it, and we definitely did it today. But um, I um, I agree with you. I, I, I'd give it to Joe Gomez. I thought he was outstanding today. Yeah, I may as well echo that as well, to be honest. But there are only probably two or three at max seven out of ten performances from Liverpool today. The rest were sixes at best, really. Um, yeah. So, mm-hmm. well, we won't still three points. We? Yeah, I was going to say, still three points. I know, yeah. which is which is a great sign. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely right, guys. I think that is the end of this uh, Nina Kauser show. A huge thank you to the callers. Some excellent discussion points there. A massive thank you to Jay and Gav. A massive thank you to you for listening. I know it's international break, but, you know, let's hope there's no injuries. I know it's a bullshit time of the season. It's just ridiculous. But before I let my panel go, um, Jay, I'll come to you. Anything you'd like to plug? Anything you're working on? Where can people find you on Twitter? Um, I won't do too much plugging, but yeah, my Twitter is my name, Jay Sutherland. So yeah, feel free to follow me on there. I um, talk about a mixture of things, but most of the time I just retweet things that other people say that are more intelligent (laughs) than me. (laughs) So yeah, that's me. Okay, yeah, do follow Jay. And Gag's just put in the chat box, um, Huddersfield are beating Everton in, like, caps. So <laughs> this is very real. This is like um, Soccer Saturday, people. Like, <laughs> up at you and everything. And Gav, what about yourself? Where can people find you? What are you working on? I've got nothing to plug. Um, I'm Gavin Jones live uh, on Twitter. And uh, I'd just like to say thanks for having us on, Nina, and well done for surviving your first podcast with an actor and a singer. Uh, as your guests, because that can't be easy. Because we're all we're all um, we're all fighting for airtime against each other. Uh, also, as well, I want to um, give a massive shout out to the the King and AI pod, uh, which the guys have recorded in the last week. And there's part two coming out. It's a fantastic, really insightful chat with um, Eddie Gibbs hosting, but with Paul Daglish and the King Kenny. Um, it's an unbelievable thing to actually sit and listen to the two of them chatting. Um, and uh, the part two's out next week, and part two is even spicier, I believe. So um, if uh, if there's anything to plug, I think we should be plugging that. Yep, I urge everyone to go and check out that pod. It is so insightful. And um, do support the Marina Daglish appeal. It's a worthy cause. Um, anything that you can donate would be greatly appreciated. 
For my part, yep, I have been fighting with airtime with a singer and an actor, but you know what? I'm used to A-list celebrities. I can handle you. I can keep you in check. So a massive thank you to these two guys. For my part, do check out AI Pro. Like Gav has said, so much great content. And of course, that podcast with the king himself and um, Paul and Eddie. So do check that out. And also all uh, an array of great diverse content there. For my part, I will be doing more stuff on AI TV. So um, do subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. I know it wasn't the best viewing, but three points, impeccable record almost, a goal conceded, but hey, it was about to happen. Uh, Till next time, up the Reds. Podcast Network.